Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds to see you today, good and loving God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Have you ever heard of the marshmallow test? My undergraduate degree was in education, and it seems like in every single human development course I took, we watched a video of the marshmallow test. It was very simple. An adult brings a young child into the room, sits them down in a chair, and places a single marshmallow on a plate right in front of them. They say, okay, I'm going to leave for a few minutes, and you can eat this marshmallow, but if you wait until I come back, then I'll give you a second marshmallow to eat. And then the adult leaves the room, leaving this poor child sitting there with nothing to do but to stare at this marshmallow, trying not to eat it. The kids' reactions are hilarious. You see some who will just sink down and kind of sniff the marshmallow, some kind of pick at it and look around. My favorite one watching is the, the before the parent even leaves the room, the girl looks at her and starts taking bites out of it. I don't even care. <laughs> Some of them are seemingly unaffected, but after a few minutes of the parent being gone, they re-enter the room with either nothing or a second marshmallow based on how they did. It's supposed to tell you something about how well-adjusted a kid's going to be later in their life, but I know that as an adult, no matter how well-adjusted we are, we still fall into temptations. The temptations just simply change. The next phase in our, the series in the Lord's Prayer is lead us not into temptation. And it's sort of a bizarre request if you think about it. It's prayed as though God chooses to intentionally nudge us into situations that cause us to fail. It makes me picture, instead of the marshmallow test, somebody walking me into a room of confident, intelligent, beautiful people saying, you can do nothing but talk about their accomplishments with them, and if by the time I get back you have not compared yourself to any of those people, then you get a prize. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> but luckily, that is not the type of God that we serve. That's not what God does. In the scripture today read about the temptation of Jesus, we learn that it is, in fact, the Holy Spirit who leads Jesus into the desert. But the Holy Spirit isn't the one who does the tempting. It's the devil who's there, who tempts Jesus in the desert. And God's word is what Jesus clings to. He turns, even in the midst of his extreme hunger and his vulnerability, his first reaction is to turn and quote scripture, be reminded of scripture. The Greek word that has been translated as temptation is the word periazomenos in Greek, which is often translated in the Gospel of Luke as trials. So we can be read sort of like, lead us not into the time of trials. We pray for God to mold us into people such that when we are put in the face of temptation, our immediate response is to do what Jesus did and to turn to God not for the sake of avoiding trials, but for the sake of a deeper relationship with God. 
What are your temptations? When is a time that you've fallen into a temptation, you've made a poor decision that's led to even more difficult trials in your life? If we were to individually sit down and write out everything right now, I'm sure we'd be sitting here for a really long time because we're all human and we are constantly making mistakes. We constantly fall into the same patterns, give in to the same desires that we know are not in line with where God calls us to be. But this morning, I'm not going to have you do that because that's not what we do here. And what happens when we focus all of our attention on the temptations that we haven't overcome, when we focus on the ways that we have fallen short of our callings, sometimes those things become our religion. When we cling to what we're not supposed to do, when we try to avoid instead of try to turn to Jesus, this becomes our religion. Our faith becomes transactional rather than relational. When I was in seminary, in order for my friends to get a break every once in a while from our studies, we would have regular game nights. They were chances to take a breath, have some fun, connect with one another. At least that was always the hope. One night in particular, I remember vividly. We were playing a board game called Ticket to Ride. And if you aren't familiar with the game, all that you need to know is that by the end of the game, there are over 150 tiny little plastic pieces laying all across the board. Now, I have a friend who is incredibly competitive, and while I enjoy some competition in my games, this, you could tell at one point that it was getting to him a little bit. His blood was starting to boil when he wasn't winning, and we were joking with him until, at the very end, he did not win the game, and he stood back and he flipped the, the board game, and 150 tiny little plastic trains went all over the room. He wasn't always invited back to game night. Because we were looking for that time to simply connect with one another, take a break. And what happened is he became addicted to the gameplay. Sometimes we all become addicted to the game and we lose sight of the purpose of playing the game. In a transactional faith, we do this. We become addicted to how we act out our faith, hoping that it will all go our way because we've figured out the right way to be a Christian. And we forget why we're doing it in the first place. Jesus becomes just a word that we tack on to the actions. One transactional faith temptation that we see in the scripture is when it comes to God's provisions. God is a provider, and there's so much evidence of that. God wants us to ask for the things we need. Scripture says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. Even in the Lord's Prayer, we hear, give us this day our daily bread. God provides what we need and we can rely on that. However, sometimes we expect God, we expect God to provide what we need, what we want, and we have a hard time trusting that God knows what we need. My husband Mike shared an example of this. He said that when he was really young, he was terrified to fly on planes. 
And so he, what he started to do was he would begin praying before flying on the planes. He knew that God brings him comfort, God brings him security, and so he spent time praying before he started flying. And then it became a regular practice. And he admitted that even recently, even now in his adult life, he started to pray not because he knows that, that God provides comfort and security, but because he feels like he's supposed to. I've always done this before I've flown on planes, so this time I don't know if I don't pray, then something bad will happen. He became addicted to praying for safety, and he admittedly lost sight of why he started praying in the first place. Jesus demonstrates the opposite. When he's in the desert, he doesn't lose sight of the reason for his fasting. When the devil tempts him by promising things of the world, things that we aren't promised by God, that we sometimes hope that we are, without skipping a beat, Jesus responds, one does not live by bread alone. And another transactional faith attempt matches the devil's second attempt on tempting Jesus, when he promises glory and power if only Jesus will worship him. How often do we worry about our own flourishing? Sometimes it's even for good. We're tempted to serve money. We're tempted to worship our families even. Even when those are good, they can keep us from remembering who is at the center of it all. Jesus doesn't get fooled, however, and he quotes scripture again instantly, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And so then the third transactional faith attempt we see here is when we try to save ourselves. And this one, I think, can be the hardest because it's covered up as wonderful, and it's often we don't use the language of saving ourselves. For instance, this church, we do so much incredible work in formation and in service, and all of those have stemmed from a deep call and a movement from God. But if we aren't careful, we can be tempted to make our ministries our faith. We see it sometimes when Christians make their entire ministry about one political issue, and if we don't get that right, then we aren't Christians. But we're all on the path. We're all searching for how to love God better. When I was in college, a part of the campus ministry that I was a part of, they focused so much on romantic relationships. Every Bible study, every sermon seemed to be, who should we be dating? What should our relationships look like? And so on. And so I was constantly praying about my relationships asking God to change people, asking God to put me in the right situation. And then I met this incredible man sitting right here, and I no longer understood how to relate to God because it became just about this one thing. It became about my faith, it became about finding the perfect person, and I didn't understand how to relate to God otherwise. Sometimes we forget how to allow the Holy Spirit to move inside of us. Sometimes we busy ourselves with the work in the community, and we forget that God is the one who's doing the work, and God wants us to be open to him first so that we can be continually led by the Spirit. 
we get so caught up in the game of playing Christian that we forget what the purpose was to begin with. The temptations that, Luke, that Jesus overcame in Luke here all have to do with power and glory here on this earth. And they all try to influence the way that Jesus fulfills his calling that he received in his baptism just a chapter previous. If God cared only about what is right and what is wrong, then we wouldn't need anything more in the Bible than the Ten Commandments. When we worry more about how to be a good Christian, then we forget how to be in a relationship with God. The thing is that we all continue to mess up. It's going to happen. But we also continue to serve a God who knows what to do. Jesus will continue to point us to his words in Scripture. The Holy Spirit will continue to set us on the right path, and we will know that even when we fall to temptation, God can redeem and restore us and allow us to fall more in love with him. So let us cling to that. Let us trust that God will lead us there if we let him. Amen.